Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Now you can use code DNVR at sign up and get some special offers like how to turn a $5 bet into $200 in free bets on college hoops this entire month and the entire big tournament long. Head over to DraftKings Sportsbook and use that code DNVR to see what kind of free specials they have as well. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, and on today's DNVR Rockies podcast, we've got more spring baseball. I have to recap Wednesday's game, a couple of interesting news and notes from that. We've got Jonathan Daza arriving in camp. We'll get you the update on what's going on with him, and you'll hear a little audio from Chris Bryant, Kyle Freeland, as well as bench coach Mike Redmond discussing both Bryant and Kyle Freeland, and a certain top prospect. All of that before our conversation with Noah Yingling, where we discuss some of the younger players on the club, some more obscure Rockies in team history, and yes, the return of tacos or tears. Full disclosure, this one is on expert difficulty, so it will be challenging. You will have to test your mettle when we get to that part. But buddy, on Wednesday morning, Discussed several players, Sam Hilliard being the top one. He's a player that we've seen for a few years now and obviously has some intriguing upside. Has a 30 home run, 100 RBI season in his past in 2019 with the Albuquerque Isotopes. Always had a great combination of power and speed. Strikes out a lot, but look, Joey Gallo does that. He also bats from the left side. A lot of similarities. Joey Gallo, very good defender there in right field. Sam Hilliard, very good defender in center field. If given the at-bats, if given some time, Sam Hilliard really could blossom into a potential all-star. The potential's in there. The potential is definitely in there. But with a crowded outfield right now, Sam may not get that opportunity. He may not get every chance in the world to do that, especially with Garrett Hampson needing some at-bats in order to keep him sharp. Yes, he may come off the bench more than anything, but he'll have to stay sharp. And Jonathan Daza being the best defender in the Rockies outfield. It's something that Bud Black has said before. He last week went through a, a brief depth chart of how he feels the Rockies center fielders are defensively. He put Daza at number one, Hilliard at number two, and Garrett Hampson a close number three. Now on Wednesday, Hilliard did flash some of that power with an opposite field two-run home run. So he's he's still behind the pace with his legs versus his upper body strength has two stolen bases, now has the one home run to go along with that. And we'll be talking about it for the next two weeks. We're getting close. So we'll only have a little bit more in two weeks until opening day. My gosh, we just got baseball back. This is wonderful, though. It really is. But we'll have to get into some of the positional battles. And center field is really that big positional battle to see. Is Daza going to get a bulk of the starts? Or is it going to be a player like Sam Hilliard? Also in the morning meeting, Buddy talked about Kyle Freeland's grip change on his 
changeup. You'll hear Kyle talk about it himself, along with bench coach Mike Redman here in a moment. And Buddy kind of, you know, broke it down that with this new grip that he has, it will look a lot like his fastball coming out of his hand. Obviously, the changeup is much slower pitch than the fastball. We know that hitting is about timing and pitching is about messing up that timing. And if the baseball looks the same or comes from the same spot or same slot out of a pitcher's hand, but one is 91 miles an hour, which is typically where Kyle Freeland sits on his fastball and his changeup is coming out at 80, that fraction of a second is going to make a big difference. It's going to probably increase his swing and miss potential. It's going to increase his strikeouts, and it's going to increase, obviously, any weak contact that players are, are going to maybe try to hold back on it, and they're just going to pop it up, you know, a soft ground ball, whatever it may be. But that ability to have two pitches come out of the exact same spot is called pitch tunneling, and it's something that, it, it, that Freeland really came about himself. It wasn't anything the organization told him he had to do, but really took it upon himself to work on this new changeup grip. So that's that's really something that's going to be interesting to watch here through spring training as he continues to work on some of his other pitches. You'll again you'll hear him discuss what he does during spring training and how he ramps up. But Freeland looked good in that first start there on Tuesday. But he also talked about the closer role and said, yes, it's it's really three guys. He's he's he doesn't want to really get he doesn't really want to get forced into a corner here, but did say yes. It's fair to say the closer this year will either be Daniel Bard, Carlos Estevez, or new signee Alex Colomay. And that's not a shock, right? We know eventually maybe Robert Stevenson's a guy who could, you know, get some big outs in the eighth or ninth inning. Maybe Tyler Kinley. Certainly Justin Lawrence is one of those guys you can project as somewhat of a future closer, but for this year, it's between Bard, Estevez, and Colomay. And really, it's Alex Colomay. If you can bet on that in DraftKings Sportsbook, go ahead. It, it's going to be Alex Colomay. It's not going to pay you very much, but Alex Colomay is going to be the closer of this team. Those are my words, not Bud Blacks. But he also talked about Elias Montero, one of the more interesting prospects that the Rockies have. He was included in the Nolan Arenado trade. It was almost of an afterthought because of such a down 2019 season. You know, was the Midwest League MVP in 2018 as a 19-year-old, was added to the 40-man, and, you know, had some injury issues that were somewhat out of his control, didn't get to play at all in, in 2020, was just at the alternate site. So the Cardinals said, eh, we can't really use this guy, so go ahead, take him. Still has some upside, and he showed it last year at Hartford, got a little bit of time in Albuquerque, and, you know, Buddy, of course, is not going to put a timeline on the odds of a player making it to the majors or say, what's the chance of this guy making his debut? That's certainly not his style. Most, most coaches aren't going to do that, but it seems as if Montero does need a few more at bats. It's it, buddy kind of danced around the idea that needs a little bit more seasoning at triple a since he only had a partial season there did play winter ball in the Dominican during the off season and is playing a little bit more first base but he's not comfortable there just yet. He has to work on his footwork. His first step needs some repetition there. Stu Cole's been working with him, doing a nice job. You actually got to see it a little bit on Wednesday. He made two nice plays defensively at first base. So it's coming along for Montero, and it's going to have to at first base, really, since Ryan McMahon is going to be in purple pinstripes for the next six years going forward. Now, what does that mean for Michael Tolia? 
you don't have to worry about that. Again, if you've got two lumbering and, and two power hitting first basemen that are doing it at the plate, that's fine. One of them can be your DH. One of them can be a trade chip, whatever it is. So got to hope that Montero continues to make progress. Seems like a nice young man. Got a chance to speak with him. We were down in Scottsdale. Aaron Munoz did a great job as an interpreter. Father played minor league baseball and, and talk briefly about that. We'll have to share some of that interview. You'll, you'll get to read some of that over on the dnvr.com. Now only 50 cents for your first month. Other bits of news and notes on Wednesday, Connor Joe had two of the hardest hit balls, one for a double, one that he hit into a double play. That's just kind of how it goes, but really hitting the ball well, had two hits, boosted his average to 500 here in the early going. He's six for 12. Ezekiel Tovar ended up bumping up his batting average. He's now six for 11. He went one for two with a double. Garrett Hampson went two for two. He's now hitting 444 through four games. Ty Black did well in his three innings pitch. Again, he was a guy I thought really could start the season as the fifth starter. They went out and got Chad Cool. We'll see if he's ready. Ty Block, maybe more likely now, is in line for a spot as the team's long reliever. That's a great story since he's from Centennial, Colorado. Went to school at Regis Jesuit High School. And another guy that I got a chance to catch up with last year in the Arizona Fall League, Jake Bird. Nice guy, but more importantly, was very effective last year in Albuquerque, was great in Hartford, went to Albuquerque and was just as effective and was even better in the Arizona Fall League, the finishing school for top prospects just before they make it to the majors. And so he's put together a really solid resume. And I think, you know, if we didn't have all the issues with the lockout, you probably would have seen Jake Bird get an invite. He'd be a, one of those minor league invite guys to major league camp. So he's been impressing. He was the only reliever. He was the only pitcher in the day to not give up a run. So now he's got three outings, three innings, two strikeouts, no earned runs in the spring for Jake Bird. On Thursday, Antonio Sensatella is set to pitch, though Buddy did say in the post game on Wednesday that this game that Sensatella will throw, will get his three innings in may actually be on the minor league side. So you might not see that if you head out to the game. I believe we've got Dodgers at Salt River Fields at 210 Mountain Daylight Time. If you happen to be down in Arizona, you know it's 110, your time. Marquez set to throw on Friday. We'll wait and see if that's going to be a minor league side game or if he'll travel with the team on the road on Friday to get his innings in. As I mentioned, Jonathan Daza finally arrived in camp, said it was tough waiting around so long. Had to, about eight or nine days of that, had a long flight. But in the offseason, he put in some serious work. He had to really make up for some lost time. Because if you recall, he made his debut in 2019, then didn't play at all in 2020. He was at the alternate site, but didn't get the bump during those 60 games. When he came to the trade deadline, Rockies ended up acquiring Kevin Pillar. They already had... Matt Kemp on the bench doing his thing as a DH. So Daza didn't actually play in 2020. He got COVID uh, at some point along the way. I think at the beginning of, of 2021, had some nagging injuries. So, you know, last year you got to see him, you know, went healthy there for a while. You had the swagger and dagger with Daza and Rymel Tapia at the top of the lineup for a while when that was going well before it was Connor Joe and Brendan Rodgers batting one and two. Comes into camp. With a little bit increased size, similar to Garrett Hampson, discussed about you know his interest in hitting for more power, hitting the ball harder, and maybe even maybe even me saying hitting for power could be misleading because he said it himself. He's not exactly looking to hit more home runs. He just wants to hit the ball harder, 
we know exit velocity. The harder you hit the ball, the greater chance you have of it falling in for a hit. Also increases your chances of a home run, but it increases your chance that the defense will not be able to field it. And so he wants to hit the ball harder. And so he's bulked up just a little bit. Another one of those guys. As mentioned, his defense is going to be the key to his playing time. He can help out, obviously, defensively. Maybe you see him play a little bit more at home in Coors Field to do some of that heavy lifting for Bryant in left field and Blackman in right. But it could be a couple days until we finally see him in a spring training contest. Still waiting that same situation for Ryan Altapia, who unfortunately was forced to report late. But Daza looks like he's ready to go. You know, he worked hard in uh, Venezuela, you know, not too many players down there, unfortunately, but worked out twice in the morning and he's gotten himself ready for the 2022 season. As promised, before we get to our conversation with Noah Yingling, we've got some audio from Chris Bryant, where he talks about the first spring training game and, and being ready for opening day, despite a shortened spring training and really appreciated all the, the love and support from Rockies fans who were buzzing on social media about a base hit in his first at-bat, so he really appreciated that. Talks about Ryan McMahon's extension and playing left field in a very large outfield, that is Coors Field, how that's going to end up playing for him this season. I felt good. I mean, um, I think we've done a great job of getting as many live batting practices in as we possibly can. I think I have maybe 12 at-bats already there and a couple today. So, um, yes, it's a shorter spring, but... You know, I feel like we have opportunities to kind of speed it up for us, so that uh, definitely helps our confidence. <clears throat> Do you feel behind at all in the I I don't. I um, I feel better than I thought. Let's put it that way. Um, sure, there's still work left to be done, <clears throat> but just overall, my body feels really good. Just wearing the cleats again, um, all of that really is the stuff that you don't practice in the off season, but all of that really plays a big role into how you perform in the field. So overall, I feel great. Chris, I know you're uh, probably not aware of this, but your first at bat in a Rockies uniform, even though it's Cactus League, everybody was tweeting out, oh, base hit, right? <laughs> what, what is, what is that, how does that make you feel to know that a lot of the Rockies people are following you so close that they're making a big deal about your first spring training at bat? <laughs> yeah. How do you take that? Um, oh, I love it. I love it. I mean, um, it's just... You know, obviously going to Colorado over the years and, and seeing the fans there and um, always really enjoyed playing there. Um, granted, it was a lot of the time we had a lot of Cubs fans coming to Denver, too. So, you know, but just seeing the Rockies uh, fans, Den I hear the people in Denver are awesome. Um, you know, my wife's actually there right now. Um, but no, it, it, it really does. It feels great. You know, coming here today, too, I felt like we had more fans here than the Angels, um, you know, so. Uh, that makes me feel good. That makes all of us feel good. And, um, you know, can't wait to see him show up in Coors. One thing I was wondering, when you were there for the All-Star game last um, summer, were you thinking maybe I'll be back? <laughs> um, I wanted to. I love every minute, you know, I the clubhouse, the chefs, the – I mean, it was a really big event. And just, you know, getting a chance to see the home side, you don't really get an opportunity to do that. And – I got that opportunity and I, I was just blown away with everything that they had in there. And um, I've already, I, I've already really liked playing there. And then seeing that, you know, the underneath of the stadium is, uh, was pretty cool. So um, it's kind of really cool to see it all come full circle here. What was it like yesterday to see Ryan McMahon going ahead and sign up for another six years? And yeah. Kinda, do you get the feeling that guys 
for wanting to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, and what a ball player he is too. I mean, the year he had last year, just defensively, really becoming his own offensively, just really cool to watch. And, um, you know, just in my short time, you know, talking with ownership in the front office and, you know, the players here, um, you know, they're not afraid to go out and get players, you know, and it shows you know, they're going to take care of, you know, their own and, and, and Ryan and, you know, I'm sure there'll be other guys here that they would love to, to keep around and guys that I would love to see stay around too. You know, Brandon Rogers is just a really good player and just the pitching staff too. We've locked some of those guys up too. So it's, uh, it'll be cool to kind of grow with them and, and, you know, learn from one another. That's one for me, but uh, left field, course field is a pretty big place. And they talk about yeah. needing three center fielders to play <laughs> out there at course. What, what, what is your thought about playing left field and the amount of room? Have you played there before? Yeah, I have. Um, yeah, it's, it's a big, it's a big outfield for sure. Um, definitely way bigger than I've, ex oh, oh my goodness. Oh shoot. Um, I cannot believe. It. Okay, let's um, do that again. Yeah. All right, um, course is a big yeah. outfield. They say you need three center fielders yeah. out there. Definitely bigger than I've uh, you know experienced with the Wrigley Field. Um, you know, but even playing with the Giants last year, there was right field is really big there too. So, in kind of getting a you know some experience with that, but no, I'm gonna go out there and learn from these guys and lean on the guys who have been out there before and and really get a sense of how to you know deal with it, but. It's also a fun place to hit too. With big outfield, there's more hits, and you know you can look at it both ways. Thanks. Yeah. Have you guys started talking about that outfield at all? Like, what adjustments you need to make? Um, not yet, really. I mean, I'm just trying to get my feet under me. I think this is my what fourth or fifth day, but uh, but no, just having those the spring training replica fields there too, it, it's extremely helpful because you really get a sense of you know just how big it is and you know how far the center fielder is really going to be away from you. So. You know, some of those balls that you might think, you know, you're really close to who's ever out there playing center, you're probably pretty far away from. So just kind of getting used to things like that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited for the, the opportunity and the challenge. Do you think when you guys get back home, because the season opener is actually course, will you take some extra time in left in the outfield to maybe during BP or whatever to get a lot, maybe extra time out there yeah. to get a feel for the track of the ball and stuff? Cause through the years, I've seen a lot of guys goes a little further. Kind of get handcuffed yeah. because the ball gets on them. So yeah. Quickly. Oh, of course. I mean, yeah, definitely. Just playing balls off the bat and batting practice. Um, obviously, you can take as many, you know, fungos or machine, you know, throwing fly balls out to you. But I think the most realistic thing is just to go out there and, and shag during batting practice. And um, yeah, definitely going to be doing plenty of that, you know, for seven years. Don't forget, we've got watch parties nearly every day of the week. In fact, literally every day this week, it's Nuggets and Avalanche watch parties, not to mention the NCAA March Madness Tournament at the DNVR Bar on the corner of Colfax in York. You can check the events page on the dnvr.com where now it's only 50 cents for your first month and you get all the great content from Nuggets, Avs, Broncos, Rockies, Rams, Buffs, Rapids, Rugby, and Golf. We've got all of that. And we're also giving you a member-sized beer when you come and hang out with us, whether it's a watch party or whether it's a Sunday morning and you want to get some mimosas. We've got that going on with your member-sized beer. If you do come down to a watch party, you know you get extra raffle tickets 
at all of those. You get access to the members-only Discord where you don't have to worry about politics or a-holes. You can chat with everyone in our community. And if you're ready to go all in, your annual membership gets you a free t-shirt at dnvrlocker.com. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tourney of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win with DraftKings Sportsbook. Now new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on college hoops with same-game parlays. Link multiple bets together for an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw that cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use promo code DNVR, where if you bet $5 on any college hoops team to win, and they do, you get $200 in free bets. You win with promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Kyle Freeland, postgame on Tuesday. Remember, he went three innings, gave up three runs, two of which were earned, struck out one, walked one, gave up those three hits to a full-force Los Angeles Angels lineup with Otani, Trout, Rendon, Upton, you name it. Feels like he's going to be ready for opening day and talks about because they've got almost half the amount of time and pitchers need the six weeks, they're only going to get three and a half. So you are going to see possibly a very good start from a Rockies pitcher, a good start from any pitcher around Major League Baseball. And they only go four innings, maybe five innings. You might even see dominance for five innings, but that's all you're going to get. Because again, pitchers need to slowly build up. Talks about staying healthy. Talks about that new changeup grip and the importance of working on his pitch mix with each start that he makes down in the Cactus League. Felt good. You know, first two innings worked quickly. Got the ball on the ground uh, quite a bit. Um, you know, third inning there. Little mishap in the middle of infield, and then you know walk doesn't help. Um, you know that bunt to lead off the inning. You know that rally starter uh, for them, and that kind of got the ball rolling. But was able to kind of settle back down, kind of limit as much damage as I possibly could there. Um, you know, but I think you know that play on the middle infield. I think you know once season starts, once B Rod and Iglesias really start to get to know each other, that's going to be something that's turned without a doubt. And does it feel like you're? catching up to get ready for a season? Do you feel about on schedule? No, I feel on schedule. Today felt really good. Arm felt good. I felt like I could go back out there and keep throwing. Um, didn't feel gassed at the end, even with that long inning in the third. Uh, felt strong to keep on going. Cop, Buddy has said that he's thinking four to five innings to start the regular season because of the shortened spring. Mm -hmm. But if things go well, could you see yourself pushing a little bit beyond that, or is that the smart thing to do? I think I think you got you got to play it being smart, and also you know what's what's going on in, in that game in the season where you know if we're cruising, our pitch count's kind of low, kind of let them go a little bit. I mean, with Colorado, weather's going to be a factor as well; it's going to be colder, um, so we have to you know take that into account. But I mean, I know Buddy has voiced to you guys, he's voiced to us his concern about staying healthy. Um, us five need to stay healthy, and, and you know the rest of the position players need to stay healthy if we want a, a, a good chance to win in this division. Do you think the work that you did during the lockout toward before you came to camp, did it prepare you as much as you needed to? Do you feel like you were where you needed to be? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I, I felt like once we got spring training rolling, I didn't feel like I had to catch up or, you know, really press to get myself going. I felt like I was already there and whatever 
kind of schedule they set up for me, I was ready to execute it and wasn't worried about, you know, going into a two inning live VP and thinking that this might be a little much for me. I felt ready to go. And, you know, like I said today, I felt like I had more in the tank. And you did some simulating, right? Throw an inning, sit down, kind of pretend. Yeah. Did yeah. you have anybody to swing against you before you got Yeah, I, I, uh, I was training at uh, uh, Trevor Bowers place, throwing live VPs there. Um, I threw two there, uh, both two innings each, where it was uh, up, down, where I would throw, or Trevor would throw, I'd throw, I'd throw, and then Trevor would throw again, I'd throw. I uh, did that two times, so that was that was a good uh, piece that allowed me to prepare for you know this spring training, having it be in short. Any one or two things that you are concentrating on? I mean, you're an established pitcher now, and you've major adjustments but anything this spring that is an emphasis um i, I have a new change up grip so that's going to be an emphasis for me um working working that change up as much as possible so i can get very comfortable with it going into the season uh, i want to say we probably threw about 10 today so that, that was a good workload for that change up through some quality ones through some not so quality ones so i'll go back check video on that you know see what, what we did good what we didn't do so good um in past spring trainings, I usually will start my first you know, few starts with just fastball changeup, then move fastball changeup slider, fastball changeup curveball on the following one. This one is a little different. I'll, I'll probably just be using all pitches throughout the throughout my starts just because it's short in spring training, only have three starts. Forgive me for... Why did you change your work? Uh, we, we just you know found that you know we're, we're going to be able to get more depth on it, um, you know, be able to create more deception coming out of my hand. And we were able to come up with a grip to allow me to do that and uh, and get you know true proper change up spin orientation on it to allow me to get you know to make my change up even better. Is it a circle change? Though? It's not a circle change. It's, it's more. It's like kind of similar to a fork ball actually. Oh, it is. Yeah, I, my it's a three prong and it's just spread uh, throughout the seams of the ball. Because you were throwing a circle change before, right? Uh, it's kind of like a half circle change. Okay. Yeah. Did you have to stick a softball in there and spread your fingers? I'd, uh, I've been I've been doing everything I can to you know like stretch out my fingers with a baseball, but yeah. Hey, um, this added changeup. Do you look to try to get quicker innings in the beginning of the season to maybe get more innings? In other words, if you throw fewer pitches, get quicker decisions. I mean, I'm I'm always trying to have fast innings. Um, you know, allow the offense to get to do their thing. You know, get off the field and and let them hit, score runs for me. Um, but I mean, I'm always one of those pitchers that's trying to get the ball on the ground, trying to get weak contact early and and often. So if I can do that for seven innings, that's great. And finally, I wanted to leave you with a brief audio of bench coach Mike Redman, who talks about. Bryant's debut, Freeland's performance, and one of the top prospects who I may have to bite my tongue because I was a little bit skeptical of Drew Romo when he was selected. High school catchers do not have a very good track record in the draft, and Drew Romo was selected 35th overall, and yet, by all accounts, everything I've seen, everything I've heard, talking with this young man, seeing how he's filled out a little bit since he was drafted two years ago, He's converted me. He makes me a believer, and, and Mike Redmond has some nice things that might make you a believer as well. Chris Bryan in a Rockies uniform. Granted, yeah. it's spring, but to see him step out there, wearing the purple, get a hit, what were you thinking? Yeah, it looked great. I mean, uh, first first game of uh, spring, his first game. He's only been there a few days, so I'll get him a couple uh, a couple of bats, a couple of innings on defense, so he looked good and was good about there. His first, first one to get a, a hit, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think overall was saw some good things. I thought Free was really good first two innings. Uh, ball climbed up a little bit on him, and uh, but you know that's Free still makes his pitches, and you know he got his work in, and and uh, you know ended up getting out of the inning, so that was a good thing. Yeah, he was telling us he's working on the changeup here. Mm -hmm. How did you see the action on that pitch? I mean, it looks good. For, I, like I said, I, 
one of the, the the great things of free is his ability to pitch and to make pitches and and uh, I mean right now where we're at there are some guys working on different pitches and trying to to uh, you know uh, develop another pitch and and that's what he's working on but at the end of the day um, he he got his pitches in and and he was able to get some work on his changeup and he looked good. A little off topic. I don't know how much you've been able to see him yet, but the young catcher you guys are bringing up, Drew Romo, mm-hmm. uh, played yesterday over yeah. in uh, uh, Peoria. I asked Buddy about him, but uh, what are your thoughts about what you've seen from him, you know, high school catcher going into the yeah. pro ball? What are your early thoughts? I, I mean, I like him. I, li- I like his actions. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that in, in listening to other people, guys on other teams, is that he stands out. You know, when he gets into the game, you, you notice him, and, and you're, it's something different there. And, and uh, for a catcher, that's a that's a good thing. That's, uh, you know, he has, you know, all those, you know, switch hitter. He, he's got a good arm, good strong arm. He blocks well. Um, he looks really calm back there for such a young kid. So uh, that's the beauty of spring training is, is that, uh, you know, you're able to get, so, get to see these guys and get them some action and, and get them comfortable. The, the quicker we can get them comfortable at the – Big league level, the better for all of us. So um, I, I really like him. I think he's got a chance to have a, a to be a special player. Well, here's our conversation with Noah Yingling from Rocks Pile. We talk about Lucas Gilbreth. We've seen him as a reliever. Was fantastic last year. You may or may not recall that Lucas Gilbreth was drafted at a University of Minnesota as a starting pitcher, and it isn't entirely uncommon for a guy who's a starting pitcher to go to the bullpen to only later be stretched out to become a starting pitcher once again. Is that going to be the case for Lucas Gilbreth? We talk about that. We get into some of those interesting one-year Rockies players, guys who you may have forgotten were Rockies for a short amount of time. Obviously, as I just mentioned, Matt Kemp, not too long ago in this episode, he's one of those guys, you know, it might be fresh in your mind now, but eventually you're going to get to a point where you go, wow, well, that whole season was weird. That whole year was weird for all of us. And yeah, wow, that that wasn't just a fever dream. Matt Kemp really was a Rocky. He's got a whole list of those that we'll get into. And yeah, we're going to play the most difficult round of Tacos or Tears. And I had to make it so difficult because I respect Noah Yingling like no other. The man knows his stuff inside and out. So I had to bring the heat and had to you know, give him a, a clue that means nothing to anybody. It didn't mean anything to me until I read it. Because full disclosure, I might not know everything that I say. I may research it and know it for a short period of time with my short-term memory before maybe it goes out my, my brain by the time I wake up the next morning. But I knew Mr. Yingling was going to know this very obscure fact about a former Colorado Rockies player. And so I had to leave it last. Usually, as the hints go on, they get more and more helpful. In this case, not so much. So please enjoy my conversation with Noah Yingling from Rock's Pile and Call to the Pen. Something that is going on, I'm not sure if it's actually all site for all of fan side or you guys are just doing it, you and your, your partner Kevin Henry over there for the Rockies, but you're starting to look at 2022 as far as who's poised to have a big year, who might take a step back. What have you taken away so far in the early going from these player predictions and projections so far um so far i've noticed because i'm only speaking for me i mainly look at zips i do look at some of the other ones um as well but 
zips, especially for pitchers. And just uh, as we know with Rockies, it's been oh, in their history, it's not been the uh, strongest pitching staff in, in the world. But um, especially with the pandemic as well, it's so hard to predict of, okay, we're looking in the past three years of what a player has done to kind of project the future. But that 2020 year is okay. They the player was in the minors, so they didn't play or they changed roles or whatever. So one of them I was really surprised by was Lucas Gilbreth hmm. because for example, for the uh, zips projections, it projects that he's going to have a 546 ERA, 91 ERA plus, but it also projects that he's going to make a handful of starts, which I don't foresee that happening. But no. he did make one last year, but that was more of like an opener type situation. Yeah. So I wonder if that that threw a wrench into the matrix, if you will. Well, there was that because I. I believe it was Chichi Gonzalez was injured right before that. So they called him in as an emergency starter. But if you look at his 2019 season, when he was in the minors, he was in advanced a ball. He was a starter. So are the Rockies going to use him as a starter? I don't think they will, but that's something where you, you look in the numbers, you're like, Oh, okay. Advanced a pitcher. And then nothing in 2020 pitched well in 2021 after he had five or six just awful outings to be in his career. Okay. So where the, the margin of error is on that is just absolutely mind boggling. So, and after all baseball is played on the field and not in a computer. So when I was looking at that, I was like, it was 14 starts, by the way, 39 appearances, 14 starts. And I was like, I, I don't foresee that happening now. Will he have a drop off? Because considering that usually I shouldn't say usually, but a fair amount of time players have, quote unquote, sophomore slumps because hitters get adjusted to a pitcher or vice versa in their second year. So could he have a drop off? Sure. But do I think that he's going to have an ERA of five and a half? Probably not, especially when in his last 42 appearances, in the regular season, he had an ERA of 241. He showed that he could pitch a course field. Of course, being a Colorado native helps, but he was really good in the stretch run. After the All-Star break, he had a sub-1 ERA. So how do you get a, a 5.5 ERA on a projection? Could he have that? It's baseball. Of course he could. But when you're projecting it and like, okay, sub-1 ERA – opponents hit 170 against him in the second half of the season. He had a FIP of sub three. I, I have a hard time believing that that would happen, but again, relievers, pitchers playing at Coors field for half your games, there is a wide margin of error. It's just, that's not the place I would have thought of originally. And I said in that article, Hey, he, he could have some regression, but I don't think the regression is going to be that much. And the, the role change to, to become yeah. a starter for even part of the season doesn't make sense. But I think it does open a, an interesting Pandora's box of, well, if he goes out and has, doesn't even have to be as good as he was in the second half in 2021. But if he is strong enough and, you know, even, even a 
3-5 ERA. Is there a scenario that exists in the world whereby Lucas Gilbert goes back to becoming a starter? Crazier things have been said. That could happen. Now, again, again yeah. missing all of 2020 is going to be hard to really try to build some length onto his arm. You know, his jumping right to the majors from, from high A Lancaster, as it was in, in 2019 as a starter, to a major league bullpen in 2021. Again, that's just about surviving. He does that. If he really gets even more footing underneath him with even a, a less successful year, you know, depending on what that looks like, you might be able to say, you know what, he's got three pitches. Do we try to stretch him out? Now, the I think the the history of relievers being stretched back out to be starters isn't terribly great. Now, again, it depends on what your need is. If if you really need some depth and you're you're struggling in a major way for a number four kind of starter and you're desperate, then okay, go for it. But I don't know if the Rockies will be in that situation. I mean, by that point, maybe call. Kaufman is in the is in the mix in in 2023. Chris McMahon, you know, there are enough guys. I think where the Rockies may not be desperate enough, only because again, I think when you tinker with a player's growth, and and it's an unintended unintended consequence of of moving and, and changing a player's position. We've seen it with Ryan McMahon where we still may not know his heights, or if we have seen the best of Ryan McMahon, maybe it didn't get any better because he was moved around so much until finally this year. And even this year, he, he didn't start on opening day as a third baseman. Josh Fuentes was the opening day third baseman. So he's still even yet to get that true full season at one position. So it's for that reason, I don't think you want to mess around with it, but it certainly does make for an interesting conversation. That's the thing with, with the Rockies in general and anybody who is worth their weight and salt, that has watched the team for any amount of games in the last three, four years knows the Rockies don't have any depth. That's their problem. Okay. Lucas Gilbreth. Okay. We, we need a starter because we don't have a fourth fifth starter, but we don't have any lefty relievers now, or we have Ben Bowden, but Ben Bowden up until 2021 was injured. So what do we do with a left-handed reliever then? So that's, that's the thing with the Rockies of, and we saw this case in point in September. Okay, you have John Gray on the injured list. You have Gomber on the injured list. You have Chichi Gonzalez out. You have uh, you have all these pitching injuries, and starting pitching is your strength. But then they go so far as we don't want any of the guys in AAA. We don't want Frank Duncan. We don't want any of these guys. We're going to go down to AA and add a guy who isn't on the 40-man roster, and we're going to bring him in from the time they were playing in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and we're going to bring him all the way out to Colorado, and we're going to start Ryan Feltner. That tells you right there what they think of their AAA pitching staff. And there's a reason why the AAA uh, team didn't do well. There's a reason why the AA team was one of the worst teams in all of minor league baseball in 2021. Yeah. The Rockies don't have much depth. They don't have it on the bench. They don't have it in the bullpen. They don't have it in the high minor leagues. That is a massive problem. That's part of the reason why the Rockies are in the position that are where they are right now is, okay, give me 15 to 20 solid MLB players, and you've got a team that can contend for the postseason. Do the Rockies have that right now? No, they do not. I will say that I do like the bullpen a little bit better, and 
there's some projection, right? Like you look at all the rookies they had last year and you say, oh, hey, maybe. And so you go, well, Lucas Gilbreth, starting rotation, bullpen. Uh, you know, maybe the bullpen has more projectability. I mean, look, you got Marquez around for for three more years, Sinzatella, five more years. You know, Freeland only has two more years. So that depth, you know, in a year from now, that depth might look a lot different, especially if, yeah. let's say, Gomber regresses. So you might say, ah, maybe we need Gilbreth in the rotation. But to your point, he's only the real – he's really the only true lefty you can rely on at this point. We'll wait to see what happens with Ben Bowden. But Ty Block, again, minor league invite this year. Maybe they find something there. He'll still have a couple more years of control. And maybe what you do is if if you really want to – to take on that project of of converting Gilbreth to a starter, you may have to pull a Gilbreth for Helcris Oliveras or yeah. Sam Weatherly. And I think maybe Helcris Oliveras could be the, the better option of those two potentially. And again, look, the, I, I know it's uh, – you'll probably remember what, what players did this. Maybe they were in Tampa Bay where they had the T-shirts made up that said, you know, failed starter because, you know, relief pitchers are <laughs> – no one – other than Houston Street, really sets out to be a relief pitcher. You want to be a starting pitcher, but look, that's that's how they're made. And you go, oh, hold on, help Chris Oliveras starting rotation. No, no, obviously. But what if it doesn't work out for him? If he can't get his command down and and, have, and find himself a lot more consistency, that's still a live arm that you can you know work with two pitches on. Focus on that, and you could have another Lucas Gilbreth type guy. And in that scenario, you say. Well, now I feel a little bit better about Gilbreth possibly going to the rotation again in 2023 at the earliest. Yeah. And that's a thing where depth depth solves all of your issues. Yeah. Because you can see, okay, this guy, maybe he's performing at MLB level, but there's four other guys performing better at him at his same position. Okay, we can get rid of him and we can add more depth in this spot. Great example of this. You look at the 1995 Yankees, a team that obviously you know well, being from the New Jersey area. Oh, and I am. I am. I guess so. I, I'd forgotten about that. Thanks for pointing that out. I haven't mentioned that on the podcast recently. So, I, all right, cheap plug for my <laughs> former home state. <laughs> so you look at the team and you're like, okay, Jack McDowell, good starter. Andy Pettit, young starter, good starter. You got David Cohn. And you see somebody who made 19 appearances and 10 starts. 10 starts being the key. And that guy's name just happens to be Mariano Rivera. He was a failed starter. He had a five and a half ERA. They decided, okay, we'll put him in the bullpen as a kind of middle relief guy. Oh, well, now he's actually pitching well enough. He can be a setup guy to John Wetland. And now we can get rid of John Wetland because we have this guy named Mariano Rivera that's pitching really well. And now we have the best closer in MLB history. So, but the Yankees, they had enough depth at the starting rotation area where, especially entering 96, you had Doc Gooden, Jimmy Key, David Cohn, aforementioned David Cohn, aforementioned uh, Andy Pettit. And you had other guys who were like, okay, we have enough starting pitching depth. We can move this guy to the bullpen. So, and then he becomes the best reliever in MLB history. And you, and you only have so much time too. That's another thing you say, well, you could, you could argue, well, the Yankees, oh, they've got the payroll to go out and get guys. Okay. 
All right. Yeah. So then you say, look, do we have it? Do we have enough time to allow this guy? What's his name? Mariano? That's, that's a woman's yeah. name. Nah. You know, <laughs> who, who knows? You know how coaches can can be sometimes, especially in the yeah. 90s there. They're, they're looking around going like, no, let's let's just get what we can get out of this guy. They don't have the patience because it's New York. Right. I mean, that, yeah. that's very common in the Northeast. But they recognize that there is still that value for them to go that route. Whereas, you know, with the Rockies, they they've got time to really put a guy in his his best position, right? Yeah. Well, you don't you don't necessarily have to force it. So that's where the do they or don't they with Lucas Gilbreth? You know, we'll, we'll have to see in a year from now. We might be having that that conversation depending on how things go. I doubt it. I doubt we will we will have that. But it's it's not uh, it's not a stretch. It's not a stretch to think that yeah. something like that could happen, and we could have a reverse Mariano Rivera. Because look, the Reds talked about it with Aroldis Chapman, and then yeah. and that never happened. Jabba Chamberlain was uh, going back to the Yankees. Yes, he was uh, on last week's All Swimsuit Team list. Uh, didn't pull the trigger <laughs> on that for for him, but he was a starter in the minors, very dominant. Came out into the bullpen. You had the jobber rules where you can only use them in certain situations. And then, oh, do we bring him back to become a starter? Ah, it, it's you don't have the same amount of patience, and you understand that move to the bullpen. Whereas the Rockies, hey, you, you can't get creative, and you 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 don't have that same immediacy where you need to win now. You need depth where you need depth, and if Gilbreth is better in the rotation, so be it. And I mean, there, like you said, it's it, there's. There's more examples of starters going into relievers than relievers going to starters. Really, the only guy on the top of my head that I can think of that went from reliever to starter is Adam Wainwright. 2006 against the Mets, he was their closer, and he he did a he did a pretty good job. And then in 2007, they said, "Nah, we want to make him a starter." 3.70 ERA and 32 starts, and first two years he pitched he pitched well but he didn't have any accolades but then in 2009 he came in third in the nl cy young award voting so it can be done it's just it's it's much more rare but noah i bet you you don't know who his catcher was see this is the kind of trivia that only now everybody everyone's screaming again right now this is two weeks in a row people are screaming going what you don't remember michael keaton of course daddy and molina <laughs> yeah w wait which molina brother was it was it yadier jose or benji oh no it was yadier uh, thank you for playing this edition of name that molina the only issue with nuggets and avalanche right now is no longer an issue watching them from home is a possibility now with Ivaca TV. Now when you head over to Ivaca.tv slash DNVR, you can sign up for just $25 a month plus receiver. You get that price locked in for two years and never have to worry again where you can get your nuggets, your avalanche at home. And now they've got AT&T Sportsnet so you can watch the Colorado Rockies all in one place. Rapids, Mammoth coverage of CSU Rams, Denver Pioneers, you name it. All of that is in your avaca.tv slash DNVR package. Head over now to, to avaca.tv slash DNVR to get Nuggets and Avalanche for the first time since what feels like the 1990s. 2022 is in full swing. We are deep into the year already. Holidays are long gone, but you still might feel beat up and tired from Thanksgiving 
the winter holidays, whatever it may be. But don't fret because Lightshade, Colorado's premier dispensary, has the solution, and it's Wana. We're talking Wana Optimal's fast asleep gummies that'll leave you feeling rested and refreshed in the morning. The over-the-counter stuff, it's going to knock you out with powerful drugs. They're going to leave you in a fog. You don't want that. Now their carefully calibrated formula contains 10 milligrams of CBD and just a hint of THC that'll have your eyelids feeling heavy in just 5 to 15 minutes. And in zero... And in zero minutes, you can order Wana Optimal's Fast Asleep Gummies at Lightshade.com and get 25% off with code DNVR. Use code DNVR at any of Lightshade's 10, soon to be 11, Denver metro area locations. I love talking about Athletic Greens because they're one of our partners that I literally use every day. I started taking Athletic Greens a few months ago because I was having some issue with my gut health. Maybe I was having too much milk, trying to pack on too much muscle weight from going to the gym. But guess what? Once I started including Athletic Greens into my diet, I was more proactive and my gut health improved drastically. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, my body now absorbs 75 high-quality vitamins, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, minerals, and adaptogens that helps me start my day the right way. And since it supports my mental clarity and alertness, I am rocking and rolling even before that first cup of coffee. It's a micro habit that for me has major benefits. Now to make it easy for you, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. You also get with that five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is go to athleticgreens.com ROC, which is the first three letters in Rockies. That last part is the most important part for you, those free giveaways. It's athleticgreens.com slash ROC. That way you can take ownership over your health and pick the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. One of the other fun articles that you did I want to touch on because it's it's one of those fantasy articles you have in your brain where you know you're gonna have to do a lot of legwork, you're gonna have to do a lot of research, it's obscure and you know what? Maybe the average fan might not have interest in it, but not every article I think that we write is for everybody. Right. I mean, again, that that's yeah. a criticism I think a lot of bands get, right? They get really popular and they start making music for everyone. And it's like, eh, now it's almost for no one. So you made this specifically for the hardcores, tip of the cap. It, it's just a fantastic idea. It is an entire 26-man roster of players who only had their mail sent to Denver for a year or even less than that. Maybe didn't even suit up. And I just thought it was a really fun and, and fresh take on the idea of, you know, the all-time greatest teams about just the all-time team of guys who were barely on the team. I love that. Yeah. And that was an idea that I had started generating on. I was, uh, in fact, I, I thought about it in October and then November, I was like, huh, I, I wonder if I, cause I was thinking of a few specific guys. And then I was like, okay, I wonder if there's any more that I could develop this on. So I just created a Google Doc and I'm like, okay, this guy was one year. This guy was one year. Oh, this guy, for example, Craig Council did not qualify for the list because he had one at bat with the Rockies. But that one at bat was somehow in two years because he had four plate appearances. And he, I believe it was two and two. And then he was a defensive replacement, but he appeared in parts of two seasons. So sorry, Craig Council, you did not make the list. Um, so there was some, especially, okay, you can look at the roster of the team, but then you have to look at the transactions of the team. 
And then you, for me, I went a step further and I looked at the drafts of the team, which I, I'd already been looking at the drafts anyway. And that's, that's part of what ended up bringing it all together for me was like, oh, the Rockies drafted Chris Sale. Oh, that's interesting. What if he would have signed with the Rockies? Um, or just some other guys. Uh, there was a few that didn't even make the list. For example, the Rockies drafted Dansby Swanson. So he was one of them. Um, I did the, the biggest problem that I had is I was thinking, okay, if I'm creating a 26 man roster. I have to have somebody that can play first base. And it's been Andres Galarraga and Todd Helton for over 20 years. And I was thinking, well, after this season, CJ Crone is not going to be a one-year player. So I no. debated including him. But I was like, okay, he's contracted to play with them in 2022. So that's that's really not going to fly. And he's the only guy who has made an opening day start for them who has played one year with the team. And that's as of now, of course, when the season comes, assuming he's not traded, then that, that's going to go as well. So or, I was like, hey. Or suspended. And when he comes back. that That's true. I, I doubt that, but yeah. mm, could be in the conversation. Yes. Yes. So I'm like, okay, who am I going to find for first baseman? And I was looking through the list. And I'm like, there wasn't even really a backup first baseman because like Jason Giambi, Jason Giambi played more than one season for the Rockies. Right. I'm looking through all these years. And I'm like, uh, who am I going to create as a first baseman? The, the guy who was originally the first baseman was Todd Zeal. Because he played one year with the Rockies, 2002. Um, he was their everyday third baseman. But he had he had a lot of games in the majors where he played first base. Um, I want to say it was probably four or 500 games. And he played over 2,000 in his career. Um, 466, so I was pretty close. So I was thinking, okay, he could be the first baseman. But then I was in constructing a team. I'm like, okay, so who's going to be your backup first baseman? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that's terrific. So um, th then I was looking at the draft and like, okay, I'm going to have to go with Todd Frazier as my first baseman. Um, and I put Todd Zeal on the bench because, of course, you know, it, it, it's a Rockies team. So you have to have three people that can catch because with the exception of 2021 in the last decade there, the Rockies have had three catchers on their roster or a catcher that can play the infield or infielder that can play catcher or vice versa. So like that fits perfect. Todd Zeal can be on the bench with his 130 career games as a catcher right. with the uh, 89 and 90 Cardinals. Cardinals. He next got a game after that, but Hey, oh no, he, he did actually catch two games for the O format. So that that's a piece of trivia right there. Oh wow, I remember that. So um I was like, okay, that's uh, that's gonna be what I'm gonna have to go with for a first baseman. Otherwise, I'm gonna have to just throw in some random person. So that's how I was able to make the team. Yeah, that was the that was the hardest one to to go for where you, you gotta you gotta stretch it in that capacity. But overall, like it's it's a little surprising almost there, there's like a real window you know, a couple of guys from the you know, early to mid 90s but there's a big window in the 2000s where there were you know a lot of guys that were just kind of one and done where I, I think players looked at colorado differently than they do now where you know back then you had some aging veterans that would sign a one-year deal and would play 
pretty darn well enough to say, all right, well, it's going to give me another year or two in the major leagues when, you know, I might not have had as many opportunities even going into that season. And now, you know, it's not necessarily viewed in, in, in the same way, but yeah, there, there are some fun names on this list. Who, who else did you enjoy kind of digging up? Cause you, you found a couple of guys, I think that had only gone to spring training. So they yeah. technically, you know, I have, we're talking a couple thousand people at best has ever even seen this player in purple and maybe only a couple hundred that would have even remembered it. And it was funny too, trying to find pictures because for some <laughs> of them, I was like, okay, it's easy to find this player in a picture with the Rockies. Cause especially if they, if they played with the Rockies in uh, 2016, there's going to be more pictures than when they played with the Rockies in 94. So, um, but the, there was there were the ones like that where like okay I'm not going to find a picture of this guy in a Rockies uniform it's just not going to happen. One of them that I found very interesting, considering the uh, Rockies bullpen in recent years and really their pitching staff in general and their entire history is Mike Timlin. Most people are like yeah. eh, okay I probably don't remember who Mike Timlin is unless I followed the Blue Jays or the Red Sox. And he just happens to be a four-time World Series winner who I want to say was, in a, I believe, is in the top 10 in relief appearances all time in the major leagues because he has over 1,000 relief appearances. And not a lefty, not one of those guys where you go, well, yeah. they just stuck around. Actually, no, he was doing it from the right side. It was pretty nasty. Yeah, 1,058 career appearances. He made four starts in his career. Um, and three of them were in his very first MLB season. So he won the World Series in 92 and 93 with Toronto. And then he was with Boston in 04 and 07. So, of course, he beat the Rockies in 07 in the World Series. But he last played in the majors in 08 with the Red Sox. He signed with the Rockies in 09 in spring training. He actually did end up playing with the Rockies in a sense because he had a handful of appearances in triple a Colorado Springs and he had a handful of appearances with the Casper ghosts. So total, he played in six games for Rockies affiliated teams with a two seventy ERA before he decided, eh, I'm 43 years old. Uh, and I've had over a thousand appearances in the majors. I don't want to be uh, playing rookie ball in Casper. So I think I'm going to call it a career, but for our purposes, he made our list. And you had another name, too, of a player that, look, he's, he wasn't a Rocky. He didn't play for the Colorado Rockies. But a lot of people probably wished he did, was traded away before he made it to the majors and has to go down as the worst Rockies trade of all time. It's not so bad where you might lose sleep over it or you really go crazy. Look, he was a very good ball player. I don't know that he ever made an all-star team, but was always – on that cusp, and certainly if you played fantasy baseball in the 2000s, you probably had him for his positional versatility, uh, for his ability to steal bases. That was Mr. Deshaun Figgins, yep. a.k.a. Sean Figgins. Did you, did you know that? Did, did I get you on that one? Deshaun uh, is actually his first name? I believe it's actually his middle name. So It is. It's another D. <laughs> it's like <laughs> his first and second, uh, his first and middle name are, are both really great. And I should have it committed to memory, like Larry Kenneth Robert Walker. 
You go, okay, I got that down. But Sean Figgins, not Chone. Yeah, you're right. Desmond Deshaun Figgins. Look at and that. Coincidentally See, I was a little too, too cocky in there. I was a little too cocky. <laughs> coincidentally, too. And I know this because I'm looking at his baseball reference page right now. Otherwise, I will flat out admit I did not know this. Um, his agent was Tommy Tanzer. And Tommy Tanzer, of course, was the agent of Matt Harrington, who is the Rockies' first-round pick in 2000. And uh, the Rockies did not sign him. And Matt Harrington was drafted, I want to say, four more times. He did not sign any of the four times. Last update with him is he was working at Costco in the tire center in 2009, making 11.50 an hour. So yeah, not, not a great choice for him not to sign, but he ended up suing Tommy Tanzer. So that that's what made me think of him. So um, <laughs> with, with Sean Figgins, uh, he, he was an all-star once. Oh, One yeah, time, 2009. 2009. Yep. He led, he led the majors. Oh, and I shouldn't say the majors. He led the American League in walks that year with 101. So he was a he was a really good on base guy and top of the order guy. Like you said, very versatile. Could play second, third, center. Uh, there were a few seasons where he played, I believe, every single position besides catcher and first base. Um, but yeah, he he was one that uh, he was in the Rockies minor league system for five years, I want to say, and. The Rockies traded him to the Angels, and he ended up becoming a future all-star with the Angels. Yeah, it was a fourth-round pick. And, you know, the numbers in the minors are, they were just like, you know, okay. Probably a 275 career hitter in the minors. You know, stole roughly 30 every season. Only hit, uh, I think he only hit about five home runs uh, before the season that he was eventually uh, dealt to the angels. And so you go, ah, this guy is nothing. And lo and behold, again, has this really fantastic big league career where he's a, a 12 year veteran. So, you know, he's going to get the pension and, you know, he ends up making 51 plus million dollars uh, as a player. And you go, yeah, you'd like to have that one back, but Hey, he's, you got him about a ninth in your lineup. That's how stacked this roster is. You got a double leadoff situation going on with Sean Biggins. Yeah, I was thinking about putting him lead off, but then I thought, nah, I'll I'll put him uh in the uh ninth spot because I thought, okay, it is prime. Jose Reyes was the better leadoff player than Sean Figgins. But I I, I was debating that because I was like, uh, Jose Reyes did not have the uh, most sparkling career with the Rockies for numerous reasons that you can look up later. But um I was just balancing the lineup. I was like, okay, I can put Steve Finley in the second spot then. <laughs> Even though with the D-backs, he was more of a 5-6 hitter. And I, But I was like, okay, I want to get more of the power guys in the 3-6 to six spots. So I'm like, okay, so Sean Pickens is going to have to go down lower on the list. But So Noah, when I tell you that you have too much time in your hands, know that that is a compliment because <laughs> I've been accused of the same thing. And look, that's that's the love that we have for this game. And and if you're loving our conversation, you got to go and check out Noah's latest article uh, that just recently came out about Brett Saberhagen, who was another one of those one year guys came over, uh, I think, in in 95 at the trade deadline was like, hey, we're making a push for the postseason. It didn't didn't exactly work out. But yes, Saberhagen, uh, a stud, really the the only Cy Young award winner that the Rockies have ever 
had play for them, and, and he did it in back-to-back years. So I thought that was a really uh, good ar- article that you just had there, Noah. And he's another one, too, where technically, if you're looking at it, he actually was with the Rockies for more than one year, but he only pitched in one year because the entire 96 season, he was on the injured list, and he was with the Rockies. So the then after that, he signed as a free agent with the Boston Red Sox. So he ended up pitching one year with the Colorado Rockies in 1995, nine starts, 628 ERA. Money well spent. (laughs) And I was as another one that another New York reference here for you. Um, That was the subject of the Mets trading him to the Rockies. Uh, They, they didn't get Jack squat in return. And that was one of the all-time rants of none other than Mr. Christopher Mad Dog Russo on Mike and the Mad Dog and WFAN. He was hosting by himself that day. And I know this because I've heard the uh, YouTube clip of it a thousand times. Him just going absolutely nuts that the, uh, the, the, the Mets, oh, A, they traded somebody as good as Brett Saberhagen because in 94, he came in third in the NL Cy Young Award voting. So they traded him to the Rockies for Arnie Gooch, minor leaguer, uh, Dave Swanson, minor leaguer. Um, oh, no, Swanson actually came with uh, Saberhagen to the mm-hmm. Rockies and Juan Acevedo. So n- not not essentially trading Hall of Famers there. So at the time, it was viewed as light. And, of course, you know, Mad Dog Russo, there's a reason why he's called Mad Dog. It's not one to have calm opinions. So, yeah, he absolutely blew a gasket over the Mets and uh, – as he called him, Abner Doubleday, even though it was not Abner Doubleday that traded uh, the uh, traded Saberhagen. It was Nelson Doubleday, who was the owner of the Mets at the time. But, you know, Abner Doubleday, Nelson Doubleday, who cares? It's only 150 years difference. All right, let's go ahead and jump into this. Finally got you locked down for some tacos or cheers, you know the rules. I'll read seven facts about a player. All Rockies. You're gonna. I'm gonna give you current two. I'm gonna give you two current Rockies and two former Rockies. Usually, I try to have them on the upper end of the spectrum. I went a little bit lower on the spectrum for you here. You'll, we'll, okay. we'll see how you do. But yeah, two that are on the forty man, and and two all time Rockies. And goal is to get seven points. Right? We know tacos. If you don't get them, you get you get tears. So I'll read you one clue at a time, and if you get the first clue right off the bat, boom, you get seven points. I think we did get uh, our main man, Evan Lang, uh, from Purple Row. He got on the second clue, he ended up getting it. So he, he got six points right there, and uh, that, that was quite impressive. If you get on the last clue, even after you hear all of them, you'll still get one point. And again, clues are going to be about a player's age, notable statistics, famous games, awards, and other details. Noah, are you ready to play Tacos or Tears? I am just about, but before before we do, I have to say, Manny Randawa, not believing in tacos with an apostrophe, that is a man that needs to be booed. I mean, what a travesty. He was on with you, and he did not believe in tacos. That that I'm not sure if you, if you can qualify him as a good person. <laughs> I, I should have made the questions harder. He he did get by. He he did come up with a win there. It was it was close, but 
He came out, and I think yeah, you're going to be all right. Not believing in tacos with an apostrophe, that, that's the sign that you're a bad person. Sorry. <laughs> all right. First one up, seven points. This player never played with the Hartford Yard Goods. Okay, that's not going to help. <laughs> I'd be, I'd bet heavily against him ever playing his drafted position in the majors. Todd Helton. Nope. He committed to play at Oklahoma State, but didn't play for Oklahoma State. Matt Holiday. Once won a home run derby at Wrigley Field. Oh, crap. I should know that one, but I don't. Has the exact same amount of career base hits as Noah Yingling. Okay, so he's a pitcher. <laughs> Played at Coors Field before making his major league debut. Now it's heating up. Played at Coors Field before making his major league debut. Oh, boy. And final clue, we do not have the same barber. Or maybe we do. I don't. Good it, Lord. It, it's, a, it's a hair reference. All right, so I'll read these again. I'll read these again. You still right. get a point. He never played for the Yardgoats. I'd bet heavily against him ever playing his drafted position in the majors. Committed to play at Oklahoma State, but did not. Once won a home run derby at Wrigley Field. Has the exact same amount of career base hits as you. Again, he won a home run derby, so he's not a pitcher. Played at Coors Field before making his major league debut. And he's got long hair. <laughs> Oh, holy. We are talking we are talking a current 40 man guy. Current 40 man guy. Holy crap. Played at Coors Field in an official unofficial game, an official exhibition game before making his major league debut. Uh Okay, so with that clue, I've got to believe that it was maybe a few the futures game. But oh, geez! Uh, maybe I made you, these you too hard. You, you said that you were not going to go easy on me, and boy, did you! <laughs> you you I'm I'm afraid you went too easy on me because I I just don't want to just reveal the answer. No, it's just... all right. I'll I'll read the I'll read the clues within the clues that I would typically read at the end because you go what that was kind of cryptic. What did that mean? So yeah, I'll I'll give you one more shot. You never played with the Argoats. Because he skipped yeah. double A. I'd bet heavily against him ever playing his drafted position in the majors. Selected out of Stillwater High School as a shortstop. Won a home run derby at Wrigley Field. Hit 18 as part of the 2016 Under Armour All-American game. Zero career hits. Played at Coors Field before making his debut. He played the Futures game, you're right. And we do not have the same barber. He's got long hair. Okay, so... um Stillwater High School makes me think it's Ryan Belade. And you'd be right. All right, you are on the board. So well I, 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 like I said, it was it was Stillwater. I did not think about him skipping Hartford. Right, but, Lancaster in 2019. Yeah, and then this year he went to Albuquerque. The Wrigley Field one, I did not think of that. I, I wouldn't have thought about that. Again, that, that's kind of the point of these these early clues here. All right, you ready for the next the, one? And then the homer, too, of not having homers, I made, immediately made me think, okay, pitcher, but wait, oh, no, he home run derby. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, he's still waiting for his first big league hit. I'm yes. sure he'll get it this year. All right, next one up. You might get it on this first one. No, you're not. Uh, he went to Airline High School, and the mascot is naturally the Vikings. <laughs> Airline I... High School, the Vikings. Exactly. Okay. Was yeah. traded. Was traded four times during his career. And I will tell you because I think I've I've given I've given this to all my guests on the show. This is not one of the current. Rockies. Okay. So I figured with being traded right four times, but yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Was DFA to make room for Dallas Braden? Okay. He once played for the Rock Cats. Edlin Rock Cats. Selected eighth overall in the, well, I'll tell you, the 1994 MLB draft. 1994 MLB draft. I, I looked at that draft recently. I should remember it. Um, He's in the Hall of Fame, the National College Baseball Hall of Fame. And finally, someday he may have the Todd yes, Walker. Someday he may have the same first name and last name as two Rockies in the Baseball Hall of Fame. But for Todd. right now, he's got only one. Yeah, That's right. Todd Walker. Todd Walker. We got. He's got the, the Walker for Larry Walker. Todd for Todd Helton. He'll eventually get that. Yeah, Airline High School Vikings, uh, May twelfth, two thousand seven. Dallas Braden. Uh, he was de- he was designated for assignment for, and Dallas Braden came up. The before they were the New Britain Rockcats for the Rockies for one season, which I think was 2015. Yes, I believe it was. Uh, or was it 14 now? No, I think it was 2015. Uh, they were the Hardware City Rockcats, but they were a Minnesota affiliate. He okay. was selected. He was selected by Minnesota, eighth overall in the 94 draft. He's in the National College Baseball Hall of Fame. Fantastic career with LSU. And yeah, Todd Walker, Todd Helton. Larry Walker. All right, you're going to get two for that one. You're almost halfway home. Three points. Okay. And I still have to pick it up, though. Uh, I also had as a clue that I didn't use. First on his similarity score on baseball reference is DJ LeMahieu. But that probably would have been a little more helpful. Also interesting. Think about how good of a ball player Todd Walker was. Yeah. He's most similar to DJ LeMahieu. All right. Not a current Rocky. Okay. This man played for six teams and wore eight different numbers, including three with the Rockies. Finished third in the Rookie of the Year award voting the same season as when he went to the World Series. Once traded in a deal for a current major league manager. Won a Player of the Week award with Colorado. Hit a career-high 28 home runs in his first full season with the Rockies. Played on the same college team as Nomar Garcia Parra and Jason Varitek. Oh, that's that that helps a little bit, but not. Right, so what college is that? Before I that, read you the final clue, it's Georgia Institute of Technology. Oh. <laughs> okay, show so um, I know this because I was looking up for Charlie Blackman a few weeks ago, um, and but it's not Charlie Blackman since you said it was a former mm-hmm. rock. Last clue. This might be the giveaway. Again, this is one where it means nothing or can mean I, everything I, to I, you. I do, I do have one guess. I go for it for read the last one because this one could be two. You said it was a former Rocky, correct? Yes. To Jay Payton. Oh my God, he did it. He did it. Two I, points. 
like I said, I, I was looking up Georgia Institute of Technology players and because I was looking at Charlie you Black that. and I was like, I was trying to think, I was thinking Oakland because we were just talking about Oakland with Todd Walker. And I'm like, oh gosh, Oakland outfielder. And it came to me. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you two bonus points. So this will give you seven. If you could, do you know what the final clue is going to be based on my, my gesticulating hands and the fact that it's going to be maybe easier for you? Okay. He's from no. Zanes. He was born in Zanesville, Ohio. I, I would have gotten that. See, I, and that's why it was not my first hint. Yeah. Everyone else would have been yeah. first, but he's from your home state of Ohio. It's what, maybe I knew hour and that. two hours away. Yeah. I see. I, I know you again, it's respect. It's respect that I've got to make these hard. I and I that. also happen to know too, and this shows in my random baseball trivia. Um, also <laughs> from Zanesville high school was a player by the name of Clarence Jones. He played on the Cubs in the late sixties. He ended up becoming the hitting coach for the Braves and ended up becoming a pitching coach for the Cleveland Indians as well. There you go. All right. So he played for six teams and wore eight different numbers. His three different numbers on the Rockies, 24, 27, 15. Uh, finished third in the Rookie of the Year award voting in the year 2000 when he went to the World Series with the Mets. He was traded for, along with two players, to Boston for Dave Roberts. Steals the base, breaks the curse. And the Red Sox immediately trade him. Won the Player of the Week award in August of 2002, right after he had come over from the Mets. He won the Player of the Week award with the Rockies. Hit a career-high 28 home runs in his first full season with Colorado. 2003, shocker, right? Also hit more home runs with Colorado, 36, than with the Mets, where he played at 50, 50% more at-bats in. Uh, went to Georgia Tech, as you said. 1994 College World Series championship game, lost to Oklahoma. And then born in Zanesville, Ohio, helped nobody else out other than Noah yeah. Yingling. Noah, you all right. You got five right now. I still need two. And it's a current Rocky. So I think this yeah. one makes it a little bit easier, right? Do, do you find current? In theory, yes. In theory. <laughs> in theory. But and, like Ryan Valade, I that was I would not have gotten that unless you said Stillwater High School. And see, this is this is how I help boost the podcast numbers. If I tell people that they're going to be on Tacos or Tears, they're going to now have to go back and listen to all previous episodes so they know <laughs> who to rule out because I can't repeat. So yeah. that, that's how I juice the numbers a little bit. Here. And that's so, like I told you before we started recording, I knew that whoever I listened to the episode, I don't remember who it was, the Purple Aces. I knew mm-hmm. Kyle Freeland played for the Purple Aces. All right. So I, I knew you know these obscure kind of things. So I had to go really obscure and very vague. So here we go. Last one. You, as long as you get on the second clue here, you will you'll have won. Everyone's won so far. Uh, we're we're going to get you to win here. All right. First clue. <laughs> All right. First clue is so vague. He struck out in 2019. Okay. All right. Has called Elliott Ballpark and Doran Park as his home turf before being drafted. He's not Husky, but he was a Husky. In the offseason, he lives in the same state where I was born. Okay. Has less than 100 career saves. Actually, has less than 10. Only Charlie Blackman has been on the roster longer than him. Okay. Um... Now, if I read you another clue... 
you can't win. So I'm going to go back through these. Okay. All right. He struck out in 2019. Played at Elliott Ballpark and Doran Park as his home turf. That would be college in Cape Cod. He's not Husky, but he was a Husky. In the offseason, he lives in the same state where I was born. I don't know if anyone knows. I don't know if that's common knowledge uh, to some people. So that maybe that clue doesn't mean anything to you. All right. Has less than 100 career saves. Actually, has less than 10 career saves, which may come as a surprise when you find out who this is. He has I more than one. Best, but I'll let you finish. And then finally, only Charlie Blackman has been on the roster longer than him. The I, I didn't think of it being New Jersey, but I know he's from the Northeast. I know he has okay. fewer than 10 MLB saves. Okay. And that is Scott Oberg. He got it. Woo, woo, woo. Yeah, baby. Hey, at least I got tacos. Comes it's an apostrophe, damn it. In the clutch. <laughs> yeah, he had one at bat in 2019. His only one in the majors, out. and he struck out. Elliott Ballpark is home of the Yukon Huskies and born Braves play there in the Cape Cod collegiately. Yeah, he's not Husky, but he was a Husky. Yukon Huskies. Uh, he lives in New Jersey. During the off seasons, it's not a, I don't know. Look, I, I chose to not live there ever, but you're going there in the winter time. Scott, come on now. It's he's got family there. Uh, yeah. Only seven career saves, which I think would be surprising when you think about yeah. him and everything he's done, especially because the final clue was going to be, he was on the mound the last time the Rockies won a postseason game, wild card game in 2018. And then yeah. yes, April, April of 2015 was when, uh, he got called up, made his debut. And so, yeah, the second longest tenured member of the Rockies. And Noah Yingling, you've you've earned everybody tacos. And as you know, you can go to any illegal Pete's at 3.33 a.m. on March 33rd of 2033. <laughs> free tacos for everybody because of you, man. You did it. You did it. You pulled through, man. Uh, I would like to give a Hall of Fame speech. I, I want to thank every single person that I've ever met in my life, um, including you, um, for giving just terrific clues that you you did your homework, Patrick Lyons. I mean, that's – I'm surprised, though, with with all of the four, Ryan Valade was the one. I, but you, yeah. you had some really good clues on that. Where, really good meaning – no idea <laughs> exactly but see again it's a, it's an art i feel like that's you know when when this gets dug up in the archives they're gonna say wow the host knew like the exact questions and he got them exactly to seven every time so you know what i i feel like i'm i i read i read my my contestant i read the guest really well to know where exactly yeah. you'd fit in that's why zanesville ohio that's a toss away clue for most yeah. people but not for you not for you. And I remember specifically a story about Jay Payton. The the first full and your time is up. We gotta we gotta cut to commercial here. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> With your speech, your speech going on. No, tell me yeah. a good Jay Payton story. We haven't I haven't heard a Jay Payton story in ever. The first full set of baseball cards I ever got was in 2005, which um I will when I tell people I was seven years old at the time, they they say that they feel old. So it, this is, if you feel like you're old because I was seven in 2005, that, oh, that, that nothing I can do about that. But, <laughs> um, 
I got the, that set, and it was one of the first cards I I just picked a random stack out of the center of it. And I saw Jay Payton, and I looked at the back, and I'm like, oh, he's from Ohio. That's interesting. Oh, he's from Zanesville. I know where that is. That's on the east side of Columbus. Um, so I'm like, oh, that, that's interesting. Ever since, I have always remembered that Jay Payton is from Zanesville, Ohio. <laughs> So two things. One, clearly we got a Slumdog Millionaire situation on our hands here <laughs> when you're seven. And two, I can't get over the fact that you had the entire set, so it was a number order, and you yeah. and your grubby little seven-year-old hands going yeah. in, reshuffling them. Now that's, oh, that set is lost. And you crack the case, don't you know? When you <laughs> buy toys or cards, you're not supposed to do anything with them. You just have to leave it preserved. Uh, I, you can't enjoy them. What are you I, doing? It's I've learned that sense because <laughs> in fact, my my uncle every single year for my birthday because my birthday is in April, so it was yeah. always convenient that my parents would get we would go to one of the first games in Cleveland of the year. Coincidentally, I always snowed, um, <laughs> and they would get me the whatever MLB game came out for video games, and then my uncle would get me that year's set of baseball cards. Oh, that's and the best. He for I want to say the last probably six years that he bought him for me, I have not even popped the film off of the outside of that. <laughs> I have not even opened them. The other ones, I do have to say, I I did pop open. And then I was at a garage sale probably 15 years ago now, uh 10 to 15 years ago. And I really wish I would have bought more. The guy just had stacks and stacks of full sets never even opened and uh, i was 10 12 years old at the time so of course i was like mom we have to get all these and she's like you can pick one and like ah, really so um she, she actually did let me get two i got the 2000 top set Ooh, which i still have that that's a good one and then i got the uh 87 top set all-time favorite that's my so, all-time yeah. fave so yeah Number i got one. those two and then that year I, well, I don't know if my mom bought another one and just decided to hide it away from me or whatever for my birthday. Cause it was right before my birthday too. Um, but she got me the, I want to say it was the 91 Don Russ set, which that was, that was a good set as well. But yeah, I, I, I still have all those baseball cards. I, I have too many of them. If, if there's such thing as too many, but yes, I remember Jay Payton, First set I ever got, 2005. It was one of the first cards I picked out. I'm like, oh, he's from Zanesville. That's interesting. And I, I've i always been interested in geography. So I, I even knew at the time, seven years old, oh, that's by Columbus. <laughs> if, so. if this ever turns into Slumdog Millionaire 2 uh, about about this silly little trivia contest, it's going straight to it's going straight to streaming. I mean, I would say straight to video, but that doesn't happen anymore. I don't, I don't know if anyone will even – pick up the pick up the rights to this uh well maybe they would if it was on vhs script. if maybe. it was on vhs they might because we, nobody's gonna watch it on vhs <laughs> that's true yeah I, I don't i don't think we can get this one greenlit i, I don't know you have to have a real good script writer uh, about, a, about a podcast <laughs> a trivia show and a set of uh 2005 tops baseball cards yeah i don't know i don't know if it has legs we'll see dude this was fun again uh, this is this is why you know you keep coming on the show. We have great time chopping it up, and uh, you know should we ever get another baseball game? And you're you're in Denver. 
We'll do it in studio. We'll have a blast. This, this, this is fun, man. Thanks again for coming on. And especially now, I, I know officially, because I believe it was the Hall of Fame one, or that was my fifth time. So sorry, John Mullaney. I beat you to the five-timers club. That's it. You did. A lot, <laughs> a lot of other people. Steve Martin, yet to be on the DNVR Rockies podcast. So you, you can hold that over a lot of people's head right now. Yeah. Which is which is more good. prestigious, being a five timer member for DNVR or five time member for SNL? Uh, I I would go DNVR. You use that for a promo right there. It could be, <laughs> you, yeah. I mean, you could have just lost all credibility by saying that because uh, even I would pick. <laughs> oh man, good good stuff. No, appreciate it. again. We'll we'll link. In the description of this podcast, some of Noah's fantastic work on Rock's Pile, Call to the Pen. You know, he, he's able to find amazing content all the time, no matter what's going on. So make sure you check that out. Follow him and his uh, main man, partner in crime, Kevin Henry, on Twitter at Rock's Pile FS for all that good stuff. I'm at Patrick D. Lyons, and we are at DNVR underscore Rockies on Twitter. Hey, 50 cents for that first month. That's it. Sign up. Subscribe, become a member to the DNVR.com. And you know what? No, this has been great. It's been fun. But you know what they say about momentum? It's only as good as tomorrow's podcast. So I'll talk to you then. <laughs> we love our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group since they've taken such great care of all of our DNVR members over the years, including our Rockies fans who they've got some pearly white smiles now these days, regardless of the McMahon extension and Chris Bryant signing. It's just great to show off a beautiful smile. And all of that is thanks to Green Mountain Dental Group. When you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam with them, you're going to receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group, located just 15 minutes from downtown Denver.